My name is John. I happen to be one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege of being able to share a message from God's Word today. Are you ready? Come on. It is nice outside, and you chose to be inside, so unless you're crazy, it's because you came here for, for a word, for a little encouragement, for, for a way to maybe get you through the week. Yes, one person who actually understands the power of God. Woo! Don't get me started. This is the second service. I'm ready to go. We are in week three of our Never Enough series. Hopefully you've been checking out this series so far. It's been so, man, it's just been powerful. Seriously, it's been a powerful series. Please go back. If you missed any of these messages from our Never Enough series, go back. They're all online. Check them out. We're, we're wrestling with this idea that apart from, apart from God, we truly are not enough. That, some of you may like, no, I don't know if I'm there yet, John. That's okay. I'm glad you're here. But according to God's word, apart from God and our own abilities and our own like good deeds, we will never actually measure up to the standard in God's eyes. And that, that's the reality. But God, everybody say, but God. <laughs> but God, thank you, God. But God, through his son, Jesus Christ, and our faith in him makes us more than enough. On my own, I'm not enough. But with God, with Jesus in my life, I am enough to die for. Last week, David jumped into a powerful message on divorce. And it was a message of hope and healing. So if you or anyone who has walked through the pains of divorce, we're so glad you're here, period. If you missed that, though, check out that message. This week, however, we are talking about sex. So... I hope, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was two weeks ago. My wife said, no, you can't do that again. That was enough. I mean it. Like, so two messages that you missed so far, you know, at least the last two, divorce and lust. Listen, I don't know about you or why you come to church, but I'm glad I'm at a church. It'll talk about the real stuff. All right. The stuff that actually like everybody's dealing with. All right. Today, what we're really talking about is something called character. What are you made of, really? Because we're all building character, all of us, every single day. We're building character, but is it healthy character? So I want to jump in straight to God's word. This is Jesus talking. This is Matthew 5, verse 33, Jesus' words. He said, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths that you have made before the Lord. But I tell you, Jesus talking, always pay attention when Jesus says, but I tell you, I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, at all, either by heaven for it's God's throne, by earth because it's his footstool, that's awesome imagery, or by Jerusalem for it is, it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Or grow back. That's what I, I added that. I can't. Simply, what he says, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything else beyond this comes from the evil one. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Right now, is your yes, yes and your no, no? Ooh, thank you for that honesty. That's what we're wrestling through today. Are you a person of your word? Are you trustworthy? What type of character has been developed or is being developed? This is something that every single one of us, man, we, we, we all deal with on a daily basis. Daily decisions of integrity. We make them big and small every day. If I was to ask your best friend or your spouse... You know, like, are you a person of your word? How would they respond? What day of the week is it? <laughs> is it payday? <laughs> oh, yeah. So when, you know, when your spouse asks you, like, you know, hey, uh, will you take out the trash? And you said yes. Did you? Yeah, see, because uh, by the body language of your spouse, that I was looking at, yeah, your body language said you was lying. <laughs> we, 
When your best friend asks you to, to keep something a secret, did you? Or, or did you talk out the side of your mouth? Did, did, you, did you actually keep it a secret? See, our words, it's all about character, integrity, being trustworthy. Our word, it tells a lot about who we are on the inside. See, in the Old Testament, what, what Jesus is referring to, you know, when he says, like, you have heard, he's, he's going back and, and saying, like, you've heard in the Old Testament, a person was permitted to swear by the name of God to substantiate an important promise or commitment. In Old Testament law, it, it then demanded that that person will to to be a person of their word, to hold true to the oath that they made as they sw swore to God. And see, some folks in Jesus' day, they started to make this Old Testament permission to make an oath using God's name as a way of saying that only oaths that invoked the name of the Lord were binding. Like only those that I said, I swear to the Lord that I'll do this, only those were binding. And so if a person wasn't really serious about an oath, they knew they weren't going to keep the, up their end of the bargain, they would swear by like lesser sacred things. They would, you know, I swear by heaven or I swear by earth or I swear on my, my cousin's goat. You know, like they would less sacred things. See, and since the person didn't invoke the name of, of the Father, the name of the Lord, then the oath wasn't binding. They found a loophole. And people started to manipulate that and find ways to work through that loophole. And people are people no matter what year it is. Woo! Someone fell out in the spirit just now. Wow. What loophole are you using? I mean, they didn't technically say that I couldn't dot, 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 dot. I mean, they didn't, you know, technically. What loophole... Are you using that may actually be damaging your credibility or your integrity, your character? You know what I mean? Like, uh, we all kind of do this, some more than others, and others on little things, some on big things. You know, like, I swear to you I'll do the dishes. I want you to, to, to want to do the dishes. I'll never want to do the dishes. But I swear to you that I'll do the dishes. I'm just kidding. My fingers were crossed. That ain't going to fly in our house. <laughs> I swear on my mama's grave that I love your meatloaf. And you don't even like your mama and you don't like meatloaf. I just want to settle something, an argument that was happening within the staff. There's nothing good about meatloaf. Okay. No, I don't care. I know some of y'all like, y'all ain't never. See, yeah, I know. Hey, you know what? You're just lucky that I'm not coming after Skyline anymore. All right? Right? You're just lucky because here's what happened. A year ago, if you roll back the tape a year ago, remember I was all like, yeah, Skyline, Skyline, Skyline. Man, I got to come clean. Daggum, daggum. Man, it started as me just going over to the middle school. You know, I pick up my kids, you know, and I go over to Skyline, right by Taylor, and I was like, oh, I'll get my son some French fries. You know, I was like, oh, that's fine. You know, we'll wait for Isabel, get some French fries. That kept going, and then it was like, well, you know, I am kind of hungry. <laughs> so I'll just get me a Coney. <laughs> then it was two. <laughs> Yo, they got me. They got me. They got me. I tried so hard. Now I got to say, I, can't, I wouldn't be a man of my word if I kept making fun of Skyline. You know, I can, I'll, I'll come after your meatloaf. But Skyline, I can't anymore. I can't. They got me with them conies. There's something. It's sinful. It's sinful. So pray for me. I shouldn't. I, I'm, I shouldn't. Kelly's like, there ain't no way you're going to you know, be healthy if you keep eating them conies. So we're working through that. Is your yes, yes, and your no, no. And small things like, do you really like Skyline? You know. But are, are you honest with the small things? Because that's where actually character is made in the dark when no one's looking. 
you know, we say things like, oh, I swear, right? Oh, yeah, I swear. Or, you know, I promise. Oh, I promise I'll, you know. Be mindful of people who say that a lot. Oh, yeah, I swear. I swear, yeah. Oh, I promise, I promise. No, 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 for real. No, no, for real, for real. The person who says for real a lot probably isn't being for real. See, our inability to be real, to be honest in all conversations, whether they're lighthearted or serious, is an indication of an underlying character issue. What do I, what, what do I mean? Well, in Matthew, Jesus, in, in verse 37, he's speaking to the heart of what kind of person are you on the inside when no one's looking? A person of integrity or a person looking for a loophole? Are you able to speak truth from the heart at all times? Or does your word crumble under the pressure of what others may think or fear of offending someone? See, in verse 37, when Jesus says, anything beyond your word, your yes being yes and your no being no, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Jesus is saying, not being able to let your word be enough. This type of behavior can only come from one source, that is our enemy, the deceiver. In the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus, he calls our enemy the deceiver. He calls him a liar and the father of lies. He is the source of every untruth that is coming through. The enemy is always trying to, to get in our head and our hearts, trying to destroy and distort the truth of who we are and whose we are. Listen, th th this, this is going to step on toes, but anything less than honesty and integrity is an indication of the enemy's ongoing influence in your life. The enemy wants to keep us trapped as victims of his lies. Family, it is a daily decision to choose what type of character are you building. Are we becoming men, women, and students of integrity? And here's what I've learned. You will either be known by your character or as a character. So which one are you building? Because you're building one or the other. Which one are you daily building? Growing up, man, this is a huge problem for me. Growing up, I desperately wanted people to, to like me. That, that was a sickness that, that I had that disease. <laughs> Lori's like, now nah, nah, you don't care at all. <laughs> That's another issue now I got now. I swung the pendulum. But growing up, man, I desperately wanted people to like me, to be accepted, to, to, to not be picked last. I wanted to be wanted. And so I did whatever I could to be wanted, you know. I, I became the funny guy. You know, I became the life of the party. I became the most talented to, so you could watch me. Ooh, look at me, look at me. I became really, really good at whatever I thought would get me through the door of being liked. You know, like that guy. Ugh. You know, like, what do you need? What do you need? I'll become it. What do you want to hear? What do you need to hear? I'll say it. Do you know anybody like this? I got really, really good at this. And so in time, I was never picked last. I was always invited, and I was never alone. But what I figured out is that they actually weren't picking me. They weren't inviting me. They were choosing a counterfeit version of me. And while I was never alone, and I always had people around, the people, they didn't choose to hang out with me. They chose to hang out with that counterfeit me. 
that phony version of me. And so I lived in fear of ever showing my true self. I found myself trapped in that vicious cycle of image management, keeping up a facade of who I was to continue to impress people that I didn't even really like. I developed counterfeit character. Some of us are doing the same thing. Some of you are kind of hoping nobody is looking at you right now because you're feeling a certain way. You know, that feeling of like on the outside trying to make everything look right or sound right. Oh, on the outside, I looked like John. You know, I looked, you know, like, you know, I had a watermark and everything, you know. Uh, On the inside, though, not even close to the real version of the me that God created me to be. Where do you struggle with this? Don't say you're immune. (laughs) The Holy Spirit has a way of convicting, not me. I don't know you. How many of us spend so much time putting energy and resources into stuff on the outside, the exterior? You know, the, the person that, that we show others, you know, the, the over-filtered Instagram version of ourselves, right? You know, you, you know like how we be this false version You know, the family photos that took 43 different takes for your kids to stop yelling and screaming at each other to get it just right. You know, but in the picture, the the picture that you show everybody is this perfect picture where everyone's smiling. Ah, Right? Well, they didn't see what really happened, how you were swearing on on them. Right? Taking away everything. Screen time gone. Just so you can get the right, or that perfect selfie, you know, just right with the right filter and the, no, no, a little bit differently. No. I know well, some of y'all are friends with me on Facebook. How many selfies are you going to post in one day? gum. The outside. What other people see. Friends, that's not what matters. It's definitely not what matters to God at all. At all. That's where you unpack the, like, the, oh, I can't believe that person wore holy jeans to church. How come we're not wearing suit and ties? I can't believe, like, let let me, one verse. There's a whole sermon, a whole sermon series on that. But here, 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge, people judge by the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. The heart, what's on the inside? What's on the inside? Are, are you working that part of you out? What are you doing on the inside to, to, to grow in there? Like, I don't care how much weight you've gained or lost. I don't care how many gains you're getting in the gym. How many gains are you getting in your character? You know, some of y'all are like, man, I got to hit the gym. I got to get in there. I got to look. Yeah, you can bench press a truck, but can your character carry the truth? It's on the inside. That's what matters. And I can say all this. I can go hard on this because for decades, what was on the inside, none of it mattered to me. For decades, I was consumed with all the stuff that was on the outside. And if I could present myself in a certain way, you know, then I could get all the stuff and people and things that I wanted, stuff that I thought would fulfill me. I'll show you what I mean. Y'all been wondering, why is that glass jar up there, the big old, old you know, like, I want you to call this an orb, a fishbowl. You know, there's some places that sell drinks that I've never done that, but I've heard, I read about it. It's not even worth going there. Yeah. Y'all know better. This represents us. Okay. This is us. We've all got this. 
We've all got one of these. This is, this is us. This is, these are, this is our life right here. Okay? And every day, we're all putting stuff in here. All of us. Stuff, stuff that we think matters. Stuff that we think will help us succeed. Stuff that we think, you know, you know, if we put it in there, then people will like us. Stuff that, you know, like if we, if we put it in there, well, then we'll get more likes. You know, or, or, or people will keep inviting us to parties or keep, people will keep inviting us to golf outings. What are you putting in your jar? What, what are you putting in there? Is it healthy? Is it, is it helping you develop Christ's character or your counterfeit character? Because what you put in there, people are going to see. Oh, yeah, they'll see it. See, for me, for years, man, I was putting stuff in here that was kind of dark and it really wasn't, you know, of quality or substance, you know, so I was just putting stuff in there, you know, stuff that I, I you know, I thought you wanted to hear and, and stuff that, you know, like, well, if I say this, you know, then I'll get this and, you know, I figured out how to take care of what was on the outside like my flesh so my flesh would get what my flesh wanted. I started putting stuff in here, you know, that, that just made me look good, like talent, and worked on that. And then I developed an ego. We don't need a lot more for that. An ego the size of Texas. Because, you know, if I knew that I was better than you, I could belittle you, and I could belittle everybody around me to make me feel better about me. You ever meet those people? Oh, look how successful I am. Look at the cars I got. Look at how I, look at this. Look, don't you want to be like me? Don't you wish your boyfriend was high? Like some of y'all, like, I can't believe he went there. John, don't ever move like that again. You don't look good and you're going to bust a hip. I can't even look over at my wife Kelly right now. Her eyes have rolled so back in her head, they're not coming back. <laughs> I can't look over there. <laughs> Listen, when you put all the wrong stuff in there, people see it. And I, as for my word, my yes, my yes was maybe. It depended on if I would get what I wanted. My no was never heard because no to say no meant that I might miss out on something. To say no would mean that I had limits. To say no would mean I actually stood for something and the only thing I stood for was me. Lin-Manuel Miranda said it best in Hamilton. He said, if you stand for nothing, what will you fall for? So that's me. In the end, I fell for everything. Chasing fulfillment and, and chasing identity until one day I fell and fell and fell until I was left broken and busted, alone and empty. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you are still chasing? You're, still, you're thirsty, you're chasing. Looking for something to fulfill you on the outside to answer the ache that's on the inside. You're not alone. You're not alone. But friends, today can be your day of breakthrough. Today you can actually drive a stake in the ground and say, no more. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm taking a step in a healthier direction. You can learn to let your yes actually mean something. You can learn the power and freedom of your no. If some of us just learned those two little letters, most powerful word, no. Parents are like, can I get an amen? <laughs> Don't get too excited. Some of y'all parents need to learn how to say no. Here's what I learned, and I'm, I do mean I had to learn this. I did not get this. I had to learn this. With God's help, his people, and his power, remember and get used to me saying those three things. What's the secret sauce, John? God's help, God's people, and his power. I learned how to empty out the counterfeit version of me. 
I learned how to allow godly men and women to speak into my life, to, to discipline me, to disciple me, to start to see the stuff in here. It actually wasn't of value. It was actually garbage. Garbage. The Apostle Paul, he was kind of a big deal in the Bible if you haven't heard of him. He, he, he wrestled with something similar like this. He, he, was, he was super successful. And, and he used to like really like sit on all of his accomplishments, all the stuff that he had on the inside that he thought was important until Jesus got a hold of him. Th- these are his words. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3.7, he said, I once thought that these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, considering it, counting it all as garbage. So that I could gain Christ and become one with him. For some of you today, it's time to start calling a spade a spade. Counting it all as garbage. For some of you, it's time to take out the trash. Not waiting for somebody else to do it. To empty ourselves out, to make room for Christ. To become one with him. To develop some things on the inside that actually have value. See, for me, I had to get rid of that counterfeit character and start developing Christ's character. See, once I accepted Jesus as Lord and leader of my life, my priorities started to shift. I was was talking to Kelly. I was trying to figure out, like, genuinely, man, if y'all knew me when. I said, Kelly, how did I get where I am? Like, genuinely asking because... I got I to gotta teach on it. Like, how did it, how did it happen? Because I know who I was, and I don't know who I am now. This isn't like something, like, I, I'm, this is real opening up. Here is what I have learned. Jesus has to be at the center of this. He has to be Lord and leader. See, because that's what Jesus does. He transforms everything. It's why he came to earth. To rescue and redeem hot messes like me and you. Yes, I'm not the only hot mess. Don't make me call you out. I know this room is full of hot messes. That's a weak clap. I'm calling you guys out by name now. Lisa, Joe, Kelly, Lori, Sarah, Jerrica. No, I'm (laughs) calling everybody. We're all a mess. And he came to redeem and rescue us, to transform us from the inside out. But that can only happen when you let him lead. Is your way the best way? Yes, it is. Let me lead. I know you're so cute, John. You think you know what's best. My best got me to my worst, friends. Jesus, he transforms us through the power of his Holy Spirit and through the discipline of letting other godly men and women speak into your life. See, when those two things started to happen, the things that I wanted and desired changed. It's the weirdest thing. You're like, man, there's no way I could stop wanting and desiring fill in the blank. Oh, yeah? But God. Won't he do it? He changes everything. So what I wanted started to change. You know, I I actually started to want to have something of substance. I wanted to actually be a person who would be able to breathe life into other people's lives instead of just being the life of the party. And so God did something in me. He started putting something new in me. He started putting things in me like humility. Kindness, it's noisy, and compassion, oh my goodness, learn to have compassion for others. I wanted to become a man of integrity and stop caring about whether or not you liked me. And so he put in me some honesty, some mercy, 
And one of the hardest ones to fit in, forgiveness. It takes a while for that one to get in there. Will you learn how to forgive yourself and forgive others? One of the key ingredients of becoming a person of character. I wanted to become somebody who who would help people get through their hard times more than I wanted to be someone who knew how to have a good time. Because when the crap hits the fan, and it does, being the life of the party doesn't go anywhere, doesn't help anyone. Because when times are tough, people need an oak, not a joke. People going through hell don't, don't, need a, don't need bumper sticker Christianity and a wall hanging. Is that, how, is that as deep as your faith is? Like you can quote scripture and, and, and give a gift of a wall hanging? Or do people see in you the character of Christ? A person whose yes means yes and their no means no. Because to bring help and hope to people who are hurting, we need to be people and and, and represent and go through it. Like be people who have been through hell and back and have the scorch marks to prove it. And it takes time, a lot of time to develop that. You can ask my wife. It took a long time for me to become the person that stands in front of you today. Only the power of Christ, his people, and his word can transform a loser into a leader. And I can call myself that because I know myself. You ain't, ain't nothing you can say to me that I haven't already called myself. I know who I am now because of what Christ has done in me. Do you have people in your life that will call you out, that will sharpen you? Do you have people in your life that you have given permission to speak into your life, to call you on your BS? That's what friends do, real friends. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Listen, when you give a friend or mentor permission to speak into your life, sparks will fly. Like iron hitting iron, sparks will fly. Because that's how character is developed. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good, John. Oh, yeah, everybody wants, give me spiritual gifts. Give me the ability. Make my life good. Nobody actually wants to develop character because character to develop something new, it takes pain and a process to develop new things in you. But that's the good stuff. In the end, what we're made of will will come out. People will see it. See, when we start letting Christ's character be developed in us, remember the, this is us, remember? The jar, this is us. So what's actually in us is what people see. So when people see you, they start to actually see Christ. Because it's his character that is at work inside of you. What do people see when they see you? Jesus is calling. You, they know. I'll call you out. I don't. If you've been hanging out with us for a while, many of you know Rob Humphreys. Rob was a man of character, of Christ's character. 
He was a gentle giant full of the good stuff. And the time I got to hang out with Rob, I got to see the type of man he was. I got to see it in his life and how he spoke and lived and loved his wife and his baby girl and his family and friends. I saw the character of Christ in him. And for those of you who never got to meet Rob, let me introduce you to Rob Humphreys. So in December of this past year, I received a diagnosis of stage four lung cancer, which was pretty, um, pretty shocking. Yeah. Considering I've been pretty healthy my whole life, and uh, yeah, took us took us by surprise. My favorite thing about Rob is just his love for people. And he's kind of like a silent lover. You know, you're used to me being um, very in your face and out there and just telling people I love them. Rob was kind of a behind the scenes kind of lover. He is what you would want as a volunteer on your ministry team. I remember one time, the uh, he was helping me out, like building up the student ministry worship team. And there were some students on the team that didn't even have headphones. And I didn't know this, but they had like bonded with Rob. And I remember the next week when we came to rehearsal, he showed up with new headphones for them. And I saw him, he didn't tell me, but I saw him giving them those new headphones and they were so excited. And it was just little things like that, that you just want your volunteers to be. Um, he went above and beyond. He reached out and cared for those teens. And he did that on the adult stage as well. Um, anytime someone needed something, whether it was like dialing in their pedal board or tweaking their guitar or learning how to play new chords, he was always right there to help and he loved doing that. Rob was diagnosed with cancer in, in December and then started treatments. So COVID, he was about three months into chemotherapy when COVID hit. So at first we're like, this is no big deal. But then as more and more came out, it's like, COVID is gonna be really, really bad for people who have compromised lungs. And COVID's really bad for people who are going through chemotherapy. Rob is both of those things. I remember we had to have a conversation. It was a difficult conversation about whether or not he should be serving during the pandemic. And that was really hard because that was definitely one of the things that brought him life and brought him joy. Um, and so he was willing to do whatever we thought best but if we were going to allow him, and it was us allowing him, he was going to be here. It was phenomenal. I gave him, I think, a reason uh, to get up and keep working at something, gave him a distraction from his illness, and uh, he just did it with such a grace. He used his platform as um, a way to show people Jesus, um, to show them that I don't feel good and my life kind of sucks right now, but I'm gonna stand up here because that's what I love to do and that's what I'm meant to do. And we can see now, maybe not then, but now people that were impacted by just seeing Rob, by just Rob showing up. Behind the scenes, um, it was hard for Rob. Rob was a little, was emotional. Rob was aware that his time was limited and he wanted to spend his time doing what he loved. But it was something that not everybody was aware of, the severity of, yeah, Rob might be looking good these days and, and having good moments. The truth is it's, it's just a good day. It wasn't easy. Lots of, of other people on the worship team came alongside of him and would carry his gear for him or you know, set up his guitar or carry it back to the car for him because he physically could not breathe. And getting to the platform, that little spot on the stage was almost, would, would do him in. So I remember the night of worship we had in February, Rob got to be on the team and that was amazing. I got to worship next to him. The emotion that, the emotion that was just inside of me and Rob is just indescribable because he should not have been standing there. He, 
barely could stand there and breathe, let alone play a guitar, let alone sing. Um, it was the night before a chemo treatment. It was the night before we heard results on if chemo was working for Rob. It did not feel good for him to do that, but he chose to be in that place. And we, we talked about it often. We, we worshiped literally while we waited. It was the, the week hospice was called for Rob. Um, the week we brought him home that I was like, okay, this is real. So I just kind of thought, what good can come from this young man's life? And the only thing I could think of was people finding hope. I was really anxious going into it because I knew it was gonna be really difficult. Um, and emotions were obviously high. Uh, but that night ended up being something that I can look back on that gives me peace. Um, and it was just really good. Uh, someone said that was in the room said that it felt like Rob was on stage with us. And it did feel like that from the stage as well. Just the energy, um, the emotions, it, I just know that he would have been so happy to be there and he was there. Um, and so the night was so special because I felt like it honored him in the best way that we possibly could and that's worship. That's what he loved to do. I asked the worship team to go all out. Don't hold back, don't stand still. However you feel like God is moving, please move. I asked them to turn it up. Let's have some fun while we worship. There was an expectation there before we even started because everybody just knew that they were just gonna sing and play their faces off. And you know, that's all we could do for Rob and that's all we could do for Jerrica and the family and by golly, we were gonna do it. And so we just went in there with that expectation and we started just uh, letting it pour out and the room fed it back even louder. To this day, it was just the most amazing um, event. We wanted hope to be shared and I believe it was. We wanted Rob to be honored and he was. Um, we wanted Rob's guitar to be played, and it was. And gosh, as I sat, I can't even look at the chair in the worship center of Whitewater that I sat in because I can feel it again. I can feel Rob's family on my side. I can feel my family on my side. I can feel his friends circling the family, family that have, have had a relationship with Jesus, but maybe straight away, family who don't even know who Jesus is and just begging God in that moment to take this terrible situation and make good come from it. Begging him to do that because that's the only way I can make sense of this whole thing. And that is my daily reminder that if, if any tiny bit of good can come from it, then it won't feel like it now, but at one, one day it will be worth it. Not worth it, but it will make a little more sense. But our little minds can't make sense out of things um, that God can. Humphrey's family, pretty awesome. I felt so grateful to see a young teenage girl decide to give her life to Jesus. Um, you know, she was there for, for the, the youth stuff going on, um, but I think because we made that available during Rob's service, they, they knew, like, that's an option for us. We can, we can be baptized tonight if we want to be. Uh, maybe, because there's, like, a funeral going on, but, like, baptisms are welcome. Um, I think that I felt so grateful, and I just prayed over and over, God, be with this woman. <laughs> uh, protect her. Um, I just said, Rob, look what, look what you're doing. This, this hour dedicated to you, this two, two hours dedicated to you, someone's giving their life to Jesus. So it was just gratitude. Um, and I said to, to God, I can't wait to see you keep doing this.
Jericho. It does not make sense. Annette, Leslie, friends, family, it doesn't make sense. But I can tell you, Rob's impact lives on. There are people whose lives have been changed for eternity because of Jesus using Rob's life. Some people think that death is moving from the land of the living to the land of the dying. But when you have Christ's character at work in you, living inside of you like Rob did, you go from the land of the dying to the land of the living. Yeah. I got to share this really special moment with Rob in his last few days here on earth. We pulled some trickery at the hospital because of COVID, they weren't letting people in and I pulled the pastor badge, you know. And I got upstairs to just sit with Rob and And just talk. He knew. We all knew. And the stuff that matters in the end comes out. And so I asked him, I said, is there anything that you really want to make sure that Jericho knows? And without missing a beat, he said, I want Jericho to know the passion I have for her. It wasn't about guitars or stuff or money or success. I want you to know how much I love you. There is no greater representation of Jesus' character than that statement. I want you to know how much I love you. Our families, our communities, they need men and women of character of substance right now. Life is hard. What are you full of? What are you living for? Is the stuff you're living for worth Christ dying for? I think it's just time for all of us just to do a gut check, to reevaluate, to take stock of the things that we're chasing after. Maybe it's time to, to let some godly men and women to speak into your life, to give them permission to speak truth. Maybe it's time to let Jesus actually be Lord and not you to be full of his character. Friends, if you don't have somebody like that, it's why we're here. It's what we're here to help you. Just reach out to us. You can, we have this group that gets together on the second and fourth Wednesday. It's a connection group that just helps people grow.
it's time for all of us to truly be full of the stuff that will actually help us and others so that we can be men and women and students whose yes means yes and no, no, people of character. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you I thank you. I thank you for how your grace covers all of our disgrace. I thank you for how much you love us. That as you hung on that cross, that you would love us so much that in your final words that you would say, forgive them. thank you for the life that you give us now. Father, I ask that every single person listening and hearing today, that they just open their heart to you to do a fearless inventory of what's on the inside. It's in your name that all God's people say, amen. Amen.